This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. There are no spoilers in this episode, but there is mention of gun violence, suicide, and grief. And welcome to A Court of Phantoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Murray. And I am Jessica Murray. And today we are discussing Romeo and Juliet, Boz Lerman's second movie in his Red Curtain trilogy. We've already done Moulin Rouge, and it is very exciting. I really love this movie. And Jess, I feel like you really love this movie, and you saw this movie when you were very young as well. Yeah, I mean, the movie only existed on VHS when I watched it. But I, it was a, a movie that I got for my birthday or Christmas or something. I mean, it's one of the same, really. Um, but I just remember it got a lot of play. <laughs> it did. It got It got a lot of play. And I feel like I saw this movie when I was at, like, one of my older friend's houses And then I went back to Michigan, like where I'm originally from, and I saw this movie playing on like the the movie channels, right? Okay. And I was like, oh, it's on the movie channels. And then I would go to the movie channels and they're all like fuzzy and like snowy because like, who has the movie channels? yeah. And that was my first experience with like kind of those like old like cable channels and stuff. (laughs) I, I don't know. I find it, I find it very, very endearing, very endearing. I do feel like when I first watched this movie, even though I was young, I, you know, it was one of those things that you watch it when you're young, but you don't really grasp what it's about until you revisit it, you know, later in your teen years or when you're in high school. And I mean, even though I didn't know really like grasp the concept about what it truly was about when I was younger, I knew Leo could still get it. (laughs) He was probably my first non-animated crush. I'm trying to think. Uh, I I think he might have been mine, too, because I had... He was my first, like, boy poster. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, in my, like... um, I wasn't allowed to have posters or anything in my room, but, like, in my, like, backyard in, like, our treehouse, I had, like, posters and stuff. (laughs) And it it was Leo, and it was the, the fish tank scene and it was like a, a close-up of his face and i got it at like spencer's or some shit it was, just, <laughs> it was this whole thing it was so good uh yeah so obviously this movie has had like a huge impact obviously it's been out for a really long time we saw it when we were we were really young and jess how many times have you seen this do you do you know i don't i don't know but i know it's been years since i last saw it because there were certain things when I did the rewatch for this episode, I completely forgot Paul Rudd was in this. Completely. I was so stoked. I was sending you reaction videos like, oh, and Paul's in this too? Because I think we always just focus so much on the main characters. I mean, and, and he still hasn't aged. 
if you like put put that picture next to his, you know, what did he just turn like fifty one or fifty two, and he looks exactly the same. You know, he could, he could literally have that conversation with himself, like, look at us. <laughs> look at us. Um, We're exactly the same. We're secretly a vampire. Please, like, make me immortal like that. Um, I, I really like. Tell me about your experience, like. Where do you ha- do you even remember how many times you've watched it? Like when did you really? Or I mean, I feel like you've always also been mature for your age, so you might have grasped this whole story of Romeo and Juliet when you did watch it when you were younger, maybe like the first time around. Um, and you know, I never grasped grasped it in school because right. school school is like the worst possible place to read. Shakespeare, like understand Shakespeare. So school, yeah, school, school is no good. Um, well, maybe, maybe this is a good point that we kind of start from the beginning in our experience from Shakespeare. This is a really good one. Did you watch this in high school? No, no, okay, no. I think we watched that black and white version that was probably like approved by the school board kind of thing. Yeah, we watched this in high school, and it was really really great to watch it in like an academic setting that way i watched it in college um i wrote a paper on it in grad school like i i wrote i don't know just like a bunch of bullshit about it but i really really love this movie and just the way that it is shot speaking of like early kind of influences and and stuff i think that this was my first like conscious exposure to john leguizamo and the gloriousness that is uh, Tybalt, Prince of Cats, in this movie, I, I really think it was. And I know that our very good friend, uh, Rachel, Rachel, shout out, Rachel, uh, the Prince of Cats, John Leguizamo, Tybalt, is her favorite part of this movie. He's Really? He, yeah, she, she loves him. Uh, and she loves him. She loves his intro. And I feel like that's a good way to kind of like jump out and like start about this. Um, the the intro of this movie is kind of like um it's like a framework with the TVs right and the anchors, mm-hmm. and then um, right after that we have another intro of not our main characters you know but other like minor characters. And I love this intro. I love this thumb biting intro. I love these big like bold cars. I love the the beach and the difference between. Um, like the Capulets and the Montagues and what they look like. And it's just amazing. It's just amazing. And I love, and this is my point, the religious uh, like symbols that are everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And uh, that's what I ended up actually writing a lot of my papers about. If you know me, you know why. But um, yes, I, I love, I love. And that whole impact with the thumb biting and everything that made such like a deep impression on me. And I love the tension of it. And it is... Um, one of the TikTok videos that I posted recently, because I, I love it. I love the modernization of this story where, but using traditional Shakespearean English, it was almost pulled directly from the play. And Baz even made a comment um, in part of our research saying he wanted to be as authentic to the original play as he could. The, I think the one exception was that he didn't want English accents. He wanted American accents to portray this language. I, And I think through my educational upbringing, it was watching this version of the movie 
of this story that helped me grasp the play as a whole, as opposed to just reading it. Well, yeah, absolutely, because it is not a love story. No, it's not a love story. Like I Why? will, I will fight you on this. Like not you specifically, obviously, but like, but like people. No, I know. <laughs> no, no, that that was one of my notes. I go. This is a very. It's very sad. It's very tragic. Why do people want to compare their own stories to Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, no, it's awful because you're dead at sixteen. Like it's just, it's terrible. It, it's. It's a tragedy in like every sense of the word because not only uh, do they fall in love and then like miscommunication trope, which we hate, but also uh, it doesn't solve anything because their parents are still like. They're still war. I mean, yeah, even like, when Tybalt, da- Tybalt, yeah, Tybalt dies, Juliet's family is after Romeo and then Romeo's family saying, well, Tyb- Tybalt started it. And the police chief said, Fuck all y'all. You did this to your own damn selves. Yeah, it's just, oh my God, it's just so wild. The miscommunication trope. Uh, I know that we talked about it briefly in our Instagram live. Uh, I had like my drunken notes and it just says like, DHL. <laughs> um, I, I like that. DHL. After, after like a rewatch, like it, it makes more sense, right? It makes more sense. Um, so like my favorite part about this, as I said, is the like religious, like, icons and artifacts and like symbols and just it's cut every it's in like haircuts and and it's on like guns and everything and their guns or swords like that kind of stuff i i love i like the costumes um the music obviously there's just so much going on here uh and like obviously we all know the plot of romeo and juliet so like jess do you have like like top moments of this movie that you just you just love and like think of all the time um, obviously the fish tank scene. I mean, the whole Capulet party. I think I was even like sending you like POV. I got invited to the Capulets when I was sending my reaction video. That whole party from Juliet and Romeo seeing each other. I remember to this day, I probably the one, I, I love everything about Mercutio. Merc- Merc- Mercutio? Mercutio? Okay, I'll, I'll work on I still, that is just a hard word for me to say. Um, I love him. I love his whole appearance. I love that he's a drag queen. I love that he is just, you know, he he's trying to play the middleman. He's friends with the Capulets. He's, pre- he's friends with the Montagues. He really just, he's about fun and life and, like, hanging with his friends. And I really, I really liked that, um, that scene. And I think about that one a lot. I, I think about the fish tank one a lot. Um... I always think about the opening scene with with when the families are meeting. And I think more specifically, I think about the cinematography of a lot of these scenes. Because after rewatching it not long after we did our rewatch for Moulin Rouge, it is very clear that this is Baz Luhrmann's style. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think when I was younger, I didn't dissect film in that capacity or any entertainment, it's just, you know, you like something, but you don't realize the common thread till, you know, you, you, you're you older and you revisit some of this stuff. And is the dance movie like this, too? Is it shot differently? It's very similar. It's very similar. Oh. Yeah. But what are the things that I love about the party? How about you tell your story? Like, you went to the party. 
I went to the party. I went to uh, Sleep No More, which I know that I've talked about before. But I, uh, Sam and I went to a Valentine's, um, I guess, like theme at Sleep No More. And the theme on Valentine's Day was Romeo and Juliet, specifically this version. And mm-hmm. you had to um, buy tickets and it was an open bar and you had to come in costume and you could come as the Capulets in like suits. You could come as Juliet, as an angel, as Romeo in his, or, or the Capulet or the Montague boys in their like, um, like surfer, like Hawaiian, the Hawaiian shirt. like shirts, uh, or as like an astronaut. Uh, oh, yeah, I completely for okay. Yeah, I was wondering. I didn't make the connection because I had been so long since I'd seen it. I didn't know that. That's where the astronaut aspect came in. Yeah, uh, it was so much fun, and uh, so they they took the the venue, which is like a five story warehouse, and then they like. Uh, put like different scenes from from the movie like against the backdrop. It was just awesome. It was it was like, such a cool place, and people complimented my shoes, and we had just so much fun. And it was like a merging of all of my interests. It was mm-hmm. like we were in New York, and like I was with Sam, and we were in costume, and it was my favorite movie, and like one of the coolest places, doing like one of the coolest things I've ever done. It was just it was like all of these things together, and it was just awesome. Sam says that it is. A very cool place in a very cool movie. And we had the best time. And you get to recreate, like, you're essentially recreating this one of your favorite scenes. And I lost my earring there, and it makes me very sad, and I think about it all the time. What's sad is that somebody probably didn't even find it. They just kind of swept it up. I know. I I know. And I know the day that I went to, it it was literally the coldest day, like, on record for, like, New York that that year. So, yeah, so that is my story, and it's a good one. But I really love this movie, and I love it for a lot of reasons. I love that Leonardo DiCaprio is, like, wet a lot. Like, he's just, he's just like, wet all of the time. And then, like, he did this, and then, like, he went to Titanic, where he was also, like, wet <laughs> all of the time. And I just find that so funny. It works with his hair. It does. You know, speaking of hair, for this movie... Um, like, obviously, that's Leo's hair. I didn't know that Claire Danes had a wig on this whole movie. And she had, like, a special underwater wig, too. Yeah, like, that's crazy. And the, I, so I didn't know this. I learned this for this rewatch. And then um, at the end, when she is, I guess, spoilers for the end of <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, um, when Claire Danes is, like, uh, like slowly waking up, right? And her mm-hmm. hair is in these, like, perfect, like, little, like, ringlet, like, right. soft, like, curls. And I remember as a child being, like, no way. Like, no way. Like, I call it. Like, I call bullshit on that. Like, as a child. But now it's like, okay, it's a wig. Like, I get it. It's fine. Now I understand why I was so angry. <laughs> it feels validating, right? Yeah. No, it does. It does. It really feels completely validating. Um if I go through, I have just like the vaguest things to say, just because I love this so much. I feel like I could talk about it forever. So to like kind of stop myself from doing that, I'll talk about it like just a little bit. Um, do we love that Juliet's mom is Cleopatra, dressed up as Cleopatra? Yeah, I love that. And her dad is like Caesar, like sold. Juliet's house. Juliet's house. house. Oh my gosh, Juliet's house. And then, uh, of course, Sam 
loves Paul Rudd, obviously, but uh, when Paris is looking at the balloons and stuff coming down, and he's got he's like stupid, yeah, that that <laughs> that is one of Sam's like most used like reaction gifts and stuff. Like he loves that; it's so funny, and he's so oblivious to everything that's going on because he just keeps looking back at her. Like you see this? I, it's, it's it's so it's so, so amazing. Oh, it's so pure. Um. Something that I really love is Mercutio's speech about Mab when he has um, the ecstasy on his finger and he talks about Mab. That is something that, as we kind of mentioned earlier, like in school, that speech like fell kind of flat to me. I was like, okay, Queen Mab and like Nats and like they're galloping. Oh, oh, okay. But like Mercutio like really brings that to life. And I love that. Obviously, I love the party the fish tank, the bathroom, uh, the eyes catching, you know, it's all, it's all very like iconic. Um, I've watched it so much that I love really random little things. So I feel like that's the only thing I'm going to like add to this conversation is like, stop, stop and like say, I love this random little thing. So for example, when Romeo is just about to grab Juliet's hand, um, to talk to her for the first time, his armor like shifts, right? And the way that the microphone is, you hear the armor like shift as his shoulders go, but that's like uh-huh. the only time. Oh, that, 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 those are things I have never picked up on before. Yeah. I feel like this rewatch, and I don't know if I was approaching it because like objectively to say like, do I really enjoy this? Or I was trying to take notes for the episode, but I felt like I pulled more of the quotes of it all. As opposed to, like, maybe some of the symbolism. Because, again, when I've watched this, even though we've we've read it during school, I've watched it out of entertainment purposes and not necessarily dissection or try to dig deeper. Because even with the traditional Shakespearean lines where they go, put up your swords, it is related to gun violence. And, the, you know, the guns were the symbolism of the swords from, you know, back in when this was originally written. However the name of the guns were Dagger, which, like, the, that connection, I just thought it was, you know, I thought that was very smart. That was really well done. And even though this was released in the, the, the 60s, the <laughs> 90s, 1996, um, I feel like it's held up really well. Like, it doesn't feel dated when I watch it. I feel like maybe I'm just old, but I feel like it look it, it's just held up so well. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that, like, it holds up so well that the the only shock you're going to get when you watch this is, like, oh, my God, Leonardo DiCaprio is so young. Like, he's so young. And how great was it that he he didn't audition for this role? They basically used his, like, him screaming and his frustrations from what's eating Gilbert Grape. They said, he doesn't need to audition. We know what he's capable of and that's exactly what we need from romeo in this role and he was he was executive producer he produced part of the, he was like part he was producer for this film i love it, it, it it's just it's just so good so like romeo's first introduction with like the 
like theater, like broken down. And he's like the sun, you know, and like the music and the cigarette and he's moody and he's in the suit. And then he's like sweaty and he goes to play pool. Like that whole sequence is just like one of my favorite things. Was that the, yeah, that was the one where I sent you a picture of, I go, if this, if Akatar had a casting, if Akatar was made in the 90s and there was a 90s casting, Leo would have been, Tamlin in book one because everybody loves Tamlin in book one yeah. and everybody loved Leo in the 90s and I was using this that scene for reference as this moody brooding character and not Leo from Man in the Iron Mask no no also the music in this movie is so I mean we expect that from Baz but like the music is so good the soundtrack is so good and it was so successful and it's such like a like a 90s like kind of portrait of what was going on there but oh it's so good or like even the songs that I love I love when Baz finds song like I say quote unquote modern but like we know with Moulin Rouge, he pulled 80s songs you know he kind of pulls like popular songs I guess is a, a better term for it and integrates it into the style that the the movie needs so the choir boys when they were singing you know when they they were singing yes yes or when um when juliet's with her wet nurse who's like just now her like her day nurse at this point um they're talking about like seek happy nights to days which i love because you know because of religion and just like this setting seek happy nights to days it's you. You assume it's the other way around, but you know that the wet nurse is like, "Go get you some, come back in the morning." And Love Fool is playing. It's it's glorious. It's glorious. There's uh, a lot of foreshadowing in this movie. I mean, like obviously we have the framework of like telling us what's going to happen, telling us how long it's going to be. Like they have a whole like pre-made movie trailer that they have like in here before it even starts. But like. Romeo has some really beautiful foreshadowing uh, right before he, you know, like throws back his ecstasy. He says um, that the, the lighting is blue. So on his silver like night outfit, like it looks so good in his eyes, like the lighting is just beautiful. And he says, like, um, you know, I, I feel like some misgiving, like some consequence in the stars um, that will happen tonight. And then it flash forwards and it and it shows us him in the future in his like shirt walking down the aisle to Juliet's like um you know like the altar like the yeah the altar, altar or whatever like where her bed is or whatever and like so that and we get like foreshadowing there and it's so beautiful and we get that right away and like the color blue is like really kind of prevalent throughout all of this it's it's just so good um yeah oh my god it's, i'm looking at my notes and i'm just like i could just talk about this forever but i don't want I, to <laughs> um, last thing, um, the the symbolism of of Romeo like taking off his knight's mask, right? He like dunks his head in the water and like you know gets the drugs out of his system, like throws down his mask and it's like lit up and it's so beautiful. And then he like goes out and like, meets Juliet. You know what I like that that part in the scene where they're just like going around, they're just making out, they're loving, you know, they're just like hormones are going in the elevator. Sense. The elevator, I yeah. love it. I love it all so much. But then I love. <laughs> When they separate and, like, the wet nurse is taking her and she's like, you don't know who he is. He's a Montague. And he's so confused, like, not even knowing who she is. She's just like, wait, she's a Capulet. It just it just reminded me of the carefree college days where you just make 
maybe it's just me, make out with somebody in a bar and you had no idea this whole history. And you're like, oh, to be young and carefree and not even think about pandemics. Like, and they go, wait, they had no idea. They had no idea who each other were. And next thing you know, at the end of the night, they go, see you tomorrow. We're getting married because I need to lock it down. <laughs> Well, I, I love that. I love that. So, like, immediately after that, obviously, like, uh, we have the pool scene where like, Leo is just, like, wet the whole time. <laughs> um, and he's so awkward and he's so cute and he's so adorable. And, like, she – I love Claire Danes. Like, uh, so I was reading that Claire Danes got this part because she um, – My so-called wife? Like, oh, yeah. She came off as, like, more mature and older than she was. Uh, and they used My So-Called Life to, like, kind of back that. Well, did you, like, I think they did an interview with Leo, and he goes out, on top of that, out of all the actresses that he had auditioned with, she's the only one who made eye contact, Mm -hmm. and he goes, Juliet had to have that power in her words, and she was the only one who was able to make these, like, formidable connections with our characters and with each other for, like, this huge role. Yeah, no, absolutely huge, and she has to sell it, like... From the from the first time she talks to him, right? And she does. Like, they start flirting about saints and hands and all that. And then, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, the pool scene, we, we just love that. It's like, she's like, oh, me. She's like, she speaks. Speak again, bright angel. Like, all, all of that. And they're, like, kissing and, like, super kissing. Like, super kissing. I was I was watching this. I was just like, oh, my God. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then... Oh, it's just it's well, just like, so like, good. Leading up until that scene, just the party, and obviously her parents want to pair her off to Paris. And I love that she's already made this connection with Romeo. And so here she is dancing with Paris, and she's so awkward, and she keeps looking back because she's like, I don't want to be here. I kind of want to be over. I just love the awkwardness, the way it's portrayed, because you feel it, which is perfect and in line with the character, because... She is a teenager. She is awkward. She doesn't want to be with this person. She wants to be with the guy she was just kind of, like, making out with. Like, 13 in the play, I think, right? 13, like, 16 here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 all it's all weird. It's all weird. We, we understand it. We acknowledge that it's weird. Can I say, like, you know how before they even meet, Leo, Romeo, is going on and on about... Rosaline. Yeah. And then I love that night he meets Juliet and then he goes to Friar Lawrence or priest, the priest Lawrence. And he says, young men's love then lies not truly in their hearts, but in their eyes. And I go, Billy Shakespeare knew men ain't shit. And we're always fuck boys from the beginning. That's what I thought. And I liked his pause when he delivered that too. He was yeah, like, he goes, Eyes. Eyes. <laughs> you like, know, he, he was the only actor who spoke in iambic pia- uh, pentam. I oh fuck, iambic Sam- pentameter. Yes, yes. You can see. I had it, and then I was thinking too hard. You can edit that out, Sam. That that makes sense. That makes sense. I like a lot of his lines. Um, of course, his, um, you know, uh, love moderately. His you know altar speech is is so. So beautiful. I like his part where Juliet's being dramatic and she goes, you better handle this shit or I'm going to unalive myself. And he goes, calm down. I got you, but you need to calm down. You've known the boy 
Which, but I also understand, like, they didn't, part of me, it's like, you can't completely, like, I understand why you're upset with your parents. They have this whole arranged marriage thing going, basically. Yes, you found your love. You also didn't tell anybody you just got married. Yeah. I mean, at which case they probably wouldn't have, they would have just annulled it. But something that I noticed this watch that I never noticed before, when she obviously loses her virginity to Romeo and she kicks him out of his room and he goes out the window and her mom comes in and the and her nurse takes the sheets in the back like she she takes them really quickly because obviously you know there's gonna be blood on the sheets there's a moment that i thought her mother knew that she had sex and she was so excited i i don't i don't know but it was the first thing i thought but then i think like i kept watching the moment and i knew her mother didn't know but the nurse obviously yeah did the other thing that's not related and not shakespearean at all is when they have that scene they're cuddling the sheets are just placed very artistically and there's the dolls in the background and all i could think of is the unicorns in dodgeball oh that's amazing just everywhere so awkward can you imagine you're just you know and of course they're like you know, dolls are collectible. I swear to God, if I had dolls looking down at me, no thank you. I'd be so, like, how did he, uh, he, he should have dipped because of that. Yeah, no, no thank sorry, you. No, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no thank you. No thank you on the, on the dolls. Um, I'm looking and like, yeah, so there's, I, I really love that the, that our priest is like, you know, what, what the hell with Rosaline? I like that a lot. I like that, like, Juliet doesn't even know Rosaline exists, right? Like, she has no idea. Um, the miscommunication trope is just, like, one of my least favorite tropes. And, like, that is exactly what this is. That's um, this, whole, this, this whole thing. It's the whole thing. It's also, like, slightly jealous friends, too, right? Like, Mercutio's like, dude, why aren't you hanging out with me? And Romeo's like, well, like, I got all this other stuff to do because I'm married and I'm trying to, like, end this feud between our families. It's just, it's... Uh. Well, and then, and then that's what the Friar Lawrence brings up is he says, he goes, this is a bad idea, and then he gets a vision or whatever, and then he goes, wait, this is actually, could be the bridge that stops the feuding together but he doesn't even get a chance to tell his friends you know because you have the capulets app you know just start beating the shit out of romeo for no reason romeo goes like i'm not i'm not going to do it i literally just married your cousin Mm -hmm. what's the line it's like um john John leg was almost like kicking him in his face he's like if you knew the reasons i had to love thee She's like, oh my gosh, you're so good though. You're all, you're all just so good. The movie's all so good. It's all so good. Um, and then the storm comes in, and like that was a real storm in like real life, and like Mercutio's like speech and stuff. Like that's really cool. Um, small, one of my small favorite parts is after Mercutio is killed. I feel like we should say spoilers, but like this is this is like the play's been out like it's been hundreds we can be spoiler free (laughs) yeah we're free from spoilers okay so after after mercutio is killed and romeo uh, goes after tybalt for revenge Mm -hmm. and romeo's like driving the car like a maniac 
right? And he like flips it and he, and he gets out. When he gets out of the car, he has this like moment where he, he like settles in before he like runs after Tybalt. And it's, it's very sexy. It's one of those very small, very sexy moments. Young Leo is just, he, he is a very attractive man. I just, he is. He is oh. just, and he knows it. He knows it because he still does it too. Like, I mean, I don't think he's, he is no longer in his prime. But whoever gets with him, I feel like you don't care. You just get to say, because in my head, remember we were a, a, a while back, a few episodes back, we were, I think we were talking about, um, Ewan, uh, Ewan McGregor, how he's obviously aged, but he will always be Christian to us in our head forever and eternity. That's how I think of Leo. He'll always be 90s Leo to me. Yeah. Um, and so I think in my head I can get past, like, not that that man will ever come on to me. Um, but if he did. I think in my head I could be like I could look past this. I could think of teenage Jessica in this moment right now and channel her a little bit. <laughs> something that I'm trying to think like something that I really, really appreciate about this movie is the priest. We're talking about the priest and and laying down some truth. And after Romeo kills Tibble, after he does like the deed with Juliet after he escaped, you know, he, he goes to the priest, right? He goes to, he goes to, to Friar Lawrence. He like, they have this whole thing. They, they hatch the plan. Right. And Friar Lawrence is like, like you're banished. Like they banished you. And Romeo's like, the world is over. I'm banished. And, and the priest is just like you, he, you have a pack of blessings, like light on your back. Like, aren't you happy? Like you're alive there aren't you happy like you know all these things like you're happy you're happy and Romeo it it just shows that like Romeo is so wrapped up in like his own personal like drama that he just doesn't see like anything else around him he's just like I can't be with with Juliet like everything is awful it's like no like the world is a big place you can be with her literally anywhere except that's not true because you're children but like you see what he's getting at it's just wild. It's wild. It's a crazy story. It is so crazy to me that this is the story that became, like, a classic. I feel like everybody wants to be like, oh my gosh, this is a love story. But is it? Like, I just, with all the love stories and the contemporary romances and the, the fantasy romances and everything in between that we've read, this doesn't feel like a romance. It's just one giant miscom- miscommunication trope of warring families. Yeah, of warring families that doesn't get solved. And it it's just, like, beautiful, beautiful people, right? Like, Claire Danes is so gorgeous. Uh, Paul Rudd, gorgeous. Leo, obviously. Um, uh, Mercutio, yes. Uh, Benvolio, all day. Like, all of them. All of them are just, they're all just perfect. Um, the... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look. There is a second foreshadowing. Uh, my notes. So the first time I watched this, I got like progressively drunker. And the second time I watched this, <laughs> I was fine. So like my notes say foreshadowing to death, a thing like. So um, don't know what that means <laughs> exactly. But I will tell you that there must be a second foreshadowing before <laughs> the death. Before I the love, death. I love that you just kept drinking and you're like, hmm. Thought, which is also very that you were drinking and you go, hey, 
I have foreshadow. A, yeah, I have a thought. I also thought. have a note three <laughs> lines down that says foreshadow number three. So it's there. It's all there. Um, these foreshadowing. I feel like I should watch movies the way you do. Because you have so much fun. And your notes, because I think the same thing happened with Moana and with Moulin Rouge, where you tried to show me the notes and then you go, I I, I stopped writing. I stopped writing and they get all slanty. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you're wondering where my foreshadowing scenes are, they kind of bracket uh, Claire Danes's She's also wondering too. So. Yeah. Uh, so when Claire goes to Fire Lawrence's cell after she says like she'll marry Paris, like the scene that you referenced earlier, um, I love that scene. That's one of my favorite scenes. She's got she's the, wonderful she's in so it. So good. She's got the gloves and she's got the hat. She looks so innocent. She goes in the cell and she's like um. You know, I long to die. And she's got the gun. And she's crying. And it, it's so good. Like, that. all of that. All of that. Mm. And I think even that whole scene from, like, the second that she walked into the church. And obviously the friar, no, like, knows yeah, what's knows. going on. He married, he married yeah. her already. And Paul Rudd's character is there. And he knows why she's there. So she goes, oh, I'm just here for confession he goes up oh, th- this is my priority i have to take care of it right away right away and paul Rudd, like the good puppy dog boy that he is just like in the beginning of the movie with his face of excitement with the fireworks and the balloons he has that same naivete in this part where he goes i'm just gonna give you a chaste kiss on the cheek um to to keep with you till next Thursday or whatever. And she's standing there like, get the fuck off of me. No reaction, point blank. Like, she's not having any of this shit. And he goes, bye. <laughs> she's like, fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the line. I think it's like, um, you know, what, what must be shall be on, you know, Thursday next. And she's like, what must be will, will be. And the priest is like, well, that's a certain text. Whoa. <laughs> like, what What even is that? Yeah, like, no, we love our beautiful himbo Paul Rudd. Like, he, he makes it. He's like this little <laughs> bit of comic relief that is just perfect. He's perfect. He's perfect in everything. He's just a good... He Honestly, he is... Even though in his head they're probably dating and they're clearly not... He's a good, in context, he's a good boyfriend in this movie. He means so well. He has such a good heart. He's trying so hard. He's trying so hard. He comes over to her house to bring her flowers after Tybalt dies. Like, he was there already just to say hi to her, and then they find out Tybalt dies, and he's like... And, they, you know, she didn't come see him, obviously. She's sad. She's upset. And... He's like, this, this is awkward. Like, this isn't exactly how I wanted to bring flowers, but here we are. You know, he's just trying to make light of the whole situation from start to finish. Oh, we yeah. love him. We love him. Uh, so my notes do drunkenly describe DHL in big block <laughs> letters. <laughs> that, that was when you, that's what you were saying, the live. I go, why do you have DHL in your notes? So Jess, do you see why I have DHL in my notes now after your rewatch? That, the, the. The piece of paper just yeah. like flew off on the ground. Who so, the fuck was gonna see that? Yeah, it's like oh, 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 and like you see, you see this like angry teenager like leaving this this house that you're supposed to like deliver this very important message to, and you just let him like storm by you, and not like 
excuse me, sir? Sir? Like... Well, even even when they're having the whole fake funeral for Juliet and Friar Lawrence is there and he sees the... I, I, I had to look up on IMDb. I swear to God, I thought that was like baby Chris, uh, Darren Chris. It's not, but it could be. And... Um, and so he just walks in and he sees Juliet and the whole family. He freaks the fuck out because he doesn't know the behind, you know, behind the scenes. And you see the look on the friar's face. You're just like, no, no. He's like, make haste to Mantua with my letter, DHL. And DHL is like, (laughs) bet. (laughs) Bet. (laughs) Totally. We'll we'll fix it. Rely on us. reason dhl worked for you kind of is because you became friends with that guy the the dhl delivery guy and you had like a secret area that you got to so you could like put my stuff. packages and stuff yeah oh my god yeah so like yeah obviously the this delivery man was not living up to his full potential and the miscommunication just you know off, off the charts off the charts uh Juliet's funeral with the neon crosses and the flowers and the candles and the lights is just, it's just top tier, right? It's beautiful. It's, and it's I don't know if it's just because of this year, um, but I, I really thought I'd go, you know, I always want to be cremated. I still do. I want to be turned into a diamond. That's, that's my thing. Um, <laughs> But the candles were so beautiful. Just like the candled altar and they just raised her. It was it was very lovely. It was very respectable. Um here for it. Gorgeous, right? Gorgeous. I, I have a question. Mm. If you I mean, I think I know the answer. Which family do you feel you related to most? Uh the Capulets. Right. Yeah. I feel like I would be friends with the Montagues, but the Capulets, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, So, I remember I sent a couple of TikToks to you uh, months and months and months and months ago of uh, teachers showing this video Mm -hmm. to their students in class and then coming to this part that we're talking about, the end, and then everybody just, like, losing their minds. Shook. Shook. Like, they had never... It was... And maybe this is this is how their their plan went for the year, where they were showing it first, then going to read it and dissect it. Because if you read the play, you would have known that's the end result. These kids were dumb, dumbstruck. They were screaming. They were screaming. They, they, were they didn't understand. And it's you know, and and in fairness, when that's usually, I guess, like middle school, high school, if you are watching rom coms or romances. Um, up until that point, you know, everything has a happily ever after. Yeah. And boy, does this not. Um, yeah. So, and I know that a couple of teachers have like messaged me and said, like, I have like a love hate relationship with this movie because I show it every year, you know, it's so good. But like the kids reactions, like I would love to see kids reactions to this. Like it's still so good. And People like like screaming, like just look down at her, like just move your hand. Like I personally feel like Juliet has a lot of like wherewithal and like awareness to um like recognize what is happening as fast as she does. Cause like she's waking up from like a three day coma 
right? And she opens her eyes and she's just like, yo, okay, check, check, check. And then she sees, she sees Romeo and she's like, all right, bet. And then, then he starts like swallowing poison and then she's like, Wait, and then she just flies into action, right? I'd still be sitting there just like, yo, I sat up too fast. (laughs) I'd still be groggy. I wouldn't even... She was very, like, no eye crusty. She was a very beautiful sleeper. And um, Sabrina was over a couple weeks ago. And I'm laying on the couch. I'm not, I'm not a cute sleeper. If you love me, then like you must really love me because I do not sleep like a Disney princess. So the fact that Juliet is just this beautiful, you know, princess sleeping on her pillowed altar, you know, she's just waking. And then, and the gracefulness of what, of her going, to brush Romeo's yeah, his, face his, with his the back of her, her hand. <laughs> just like slowly, just like, yes, of course, this makes the most sense. And, and, oh. and also, what about, okay, I get that it's part of the story. But then I was trying to think. He was scared and he knocked it back. Because I feel like if I get flustered or something jumps out at me, I'm not flicking myself, hitting myself in the face. My hand's going left or right. I don't know. The vial is like this big. I know. I know. That's just me overthinking. But but you know, when you try to insert yourself to think, what would I do? Like, I don't know. I'd probably just drop it like all down the front (laughs) of myself. It would not have been consumed is what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be like, oh, and Juliet being like, I will kiss thy lips. Happily some poison doth like linger on them. It's like, just like suck the collar on my shirt. Like, I'm sure I got some. (laughs) Right? And and, you know, I, I honestly, I... I did forget the end scene, and maybe it's because usually by that point in the in the movie, I know where the movie goes, so I just shut it off. Um, but I didn't realize that she shot. I for, I completely forgot. You forgot. That she shot, yeah, she shot herself in the head. I think I thought, and I know I've seen the whole movie. I think I just I'm so used to shutting it off. Like, okay, it's the end. You know, there never was a story with such mm-hmm. woe of Juliet and her Romeo. Um, that I thought that she did suck the poison out of her his lips at some point. I go, well, it wasn't enough, but okay. If that's what we're going with, Billy. And then keep going. <laughs> no, yeah. It, it, it's... But in the in the play, it's the dagger. Yeah, and she, yeah, right. she, she lifts She's like, oh, happy dagger. And right. like, does the thing. Uh, which is why it's so interesting that the guns are named after daggers because then, mm-hmm. like, technically she is if she's, you know, like, it's a, it's a whole right. thing. It's a whole thing. It's so good. And then, like, nothing is resolved. And then, the news, you know, the newscast ends and that's that. And, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, people hated this. As with all of, like, Baz's work, like, people <gasps> really, really, really passionately dislike this. You know um, what? I passionately dislike them because yeah. they don't have taste. Yeah, like, I feel like it's not even worth, like, pulling up and reading reviews about this because, obviously, you can see exactly what they're going to say. They're going to say, like, you shouldn't use modern music, you shouldn't use modern settings, you shouldn't use modern costumes, you know. And I think that's exactly what makes this wonderful and interpretive and that gets students in... I say, like, young people. Like, think of when we got into it and then even, like, the TikToks you were referring to, re-exposing it to different generations. It's having it in those modern settings that makes it 
exciting and makes people want to learn about the classics. Because I remember when we had discussed in our first episode, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I feel like if I didn't read the quote unquote classics as part of that high school curriculum or summer reading, why? I, I really don't have an interest now. Yeah. Oh, God. That's so true. That is so, so completely true. Uh, and this this movie, obviously, like, is a classic. Uh, we're still talking about it now. The, the, like, anniversary is coming up, and people love it. People love Boz. They love his work, obviously. Um, I personally feel that everyone should be exposed to this version of Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, ev- everyone needs this. I feel like his... And this is not a statement of the type of actor that he is now. I feel like his roles were so emotional, the ones that he's taken on from, like, the 80s and the 90s, and how he was as an actor then set him up to be the actor that he is today because it gave him that exposure, obviously. I think he's very talented. I think there were other roles. I mean, this isn't, like, a Leonardo DiCaprio podcast, but I just think that... These are some very strong roles that he should have won awards for. And he wasn't even like he, he wasn't even nominated. No, like people people really didn't care about him at all until like I feel like the aviator maybe. And then people started well, to care a little bit. I feel like this is like on like how we always say you're like we talked about this before. Like why is everybody coming around a yeah. year later or two years later? <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, this is, like, prime Leonardo DiCaprio, so I feel like everyone should watch this. And also, like, everyone should see uh, Claire Danes like this because she's just such a strong Juliet. And Juliet can be, like, kind of annoying in some other versions, but, like, in this one, she's just, she's really great. And, like, the nurse is great and the setting and just the camera and the music and the the signs. Like, all the signs in this movie are, like, um, quotes or, like, nods to, yeah, to, like, other... Like Shakespeare stuff, and it's it's all just so well done. But again, like people just really hated this, and they hated the language, and like uh, even even editor Sam said that it was clear to him that they used like some German translation because of the way that they um, talked about days and like time and stuff, which I thought was kind of interesting. He said it, it like bugged him. It was all he could think about. I liked the. I mean. One of the things that I liked, aside from all the Easter eggs, and this isn't a critique at all, I had noticed, because we had watched Moulin Rouge so recently, the continuity of the billboard. So when Moulin Rouge came out in the 2000s, and then this movie came out in the 90s, there is a billboard, and this movie takes place, majority of it is in Mexico City and Mexico. There's a giant billboard on the side of a building and it's Lamor and it's in this Coca-Cola font. It's red and white. It's very obvious. And then you go to Moulin Rouge, the same billboard exists, but it's more because you see it, you know, in and out of with Christian and Satine, but also with like the scenes with the green fairy and it's more green and white, but it's the same font. The sa- I just, that little thing, it's such a small thing, but I love, I feel like, when you're a fan of someone and something and you see that little thing, it just feels like that was for you. That was for the fans. You know, I, I just love little things like that in movies. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything like that in Strictly Ballroom. But, you know, I haven't seen Strictly Ballroom in a really long time. Uh, so I wouldn't be able to say for sure. Um, 
Jess, what's your favorite, like, all-time favorite part of this movie? I think I love the song. I love the Kissing You song. I was actually listening to it before before the episode just to, like, focus. Because I feel like it's a nice over... It, it, it's, it's a nice overarching theme because it's called, like, Romeo and Juliet's, like, theme song. But it encompasses so much of the movie that's probably it like the you know music is such a tie-in you know mm-hmm. to a lot of scenes what about you uh my favorite scene i think in the whole movie would be from from the bathroom in the party to juliet watching romeo like drive away and like the the wind comes up and she's like my only love sprung from my only hate like that whole um party scene where they meet and they like go around the house and they kiss and like the the elevator like all of that all of that and they're like witty banter and like you know palm to palm all of that i think is is my favorite i love you know that whole palm to palm kiss to kiss like that whole scene if you Look at the, because I, I watch everything with subtitles. Looking at, like, even just reading the lines, it's very, there's a lot of euphemism in there. And people don't realize that. And I especially, and I say that in a way of, think about, you're 13, you're learning this, you're learning about this for the first time, you're bored. And I mean, everybody's making, that's what she said, jokes, the second you know what that means. <laughs> and I... I, I feel like there's an appreciation there with the witty banter that you might not necessarily pick up in a traditional classroom setting if it's read by every other student taking turns to read out loud. There's a perfect example of this, and it is after um, it is after Romeo leaves Juliet and he goes to his friends the next morning. And Mercutio is like, you know, like, where were you? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, they, they start their little banter. And then Romeo goes like, why then is my pump well flowered? And he does his like, <laughs> you know, like for balls and stuff. And it's just like, ha ha, ha ha. That's a dick joke that I didn't get before, but I get it now. It's it's just, it's funny like that. Yeah, because like sitting in like Miss Moore's English class going around the room just like didn't hit like this. And, but she did show this movie, so I will be forever like eternally grateful for her for that. Yeah. I'm glad we did a rewatch of it though. Oh, I know. I feel like I don't, there are certain things that I don't actively watch. I, I don't know if it's because I just don't feel like I have time or it's because I'll say I'll put background music on. And then you and just like never, watch it. It's yeah. Never background music. Yeah. And then you just watch it. I end up watching the first like 40 minutes of this pretty like consistently. Um, more so than Moulin Rouge because when I watch Moulin Rouge, I want to like stay for a huge chunk of it. Uh-huh. But um, for this version of Ruby and Juliet, like I know every single word, I know every pause, I know every line, I know every scene, like I know all the things. So yeah, I, I think I watch until like the end of the party and then I just turn it off. This year marks its 25th anniversary. Blech. And usually by this time, they're making remakes of this. Do you foresee that happening? Like a Boz remake specifically or just like a Romeo and Juliet like remake? Either. I, I Either. mean, I feel like you can't remake Baz. No. No, I don't think you could. I think like Baz would have to remake Baz. Um, I don't know. The West Side Story, right? Like that's 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, remakes for Romeo and Juliet. Uh, like, no, not really. Just like cheesy ones, right? Just like uh, not fantastic ones, like Disney, like maybe or like Disney or DreamWorks, or they do like or like Romeo and Juliet retellings. I yeah. think there was a Romeo and Juliet animated some sort of kid version. But I'm sure they actually had a happy ending. Yeah, for real. But I'm bum. Yeah, so I guess you're right. Like there really isn't there really isn't anything, and that's kind of really interesting. But I think but it's it, telling. Yeah, it's I feel like telling because it doesn't need. Like in a way, you're, you're almost saying it doesn't need to be remade because it, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it absolutely doesn't. And I feel like it would lose a lot. Like this version specifically, someone would have to say like I'm going to remake Boz's you know, like, Romeo, Juliet, like, whatever. And, like, I don't, th- I don't think it could be done. So I feel like we're finally all appreciating this for the classic that it is. And, um, you know, more love to this. More love to Leo and his, his hair and uh, his wetness. eyes. And, and being wet all of the time <laughs> in the rain in the pool. And Claire Danes and her wig and angel wings and being in white. And, like, she's just so delightful and... It's all just so delightful. Everyone watch this movie so we can talk about it. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. That's all I got. So please feel free to follow us on Instagram, Acafe Podcasts. You can also find us on TikTok. You have Laura at Acafe Laura and myself, Acafe Jessica. Please feel free to give us readings on any platform that's actually giving us readings. I think it's really just Apple Podcasts right now. But everybody listening, we appreciate you. We're so excited. And more giveaways to come. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.